Well, we're in a series right now entitled Family Matters. Last Sunday morning, we kicked this off by telling you that family is important. Family is the first institution that God ordained, and um, it's important to God, very important to God. It's important for our nation. I mentioned our nation. No wonder Satan has attacked the, fam the family in such a fierce way. If he can destroy the families of America, he can bring destruction on the whole nation. That's the reason he's chomping away at the fiber of, uh, of our families. So we, uh, we want to talk about family. This morning I want to go to the second part of this, Family Matters Part 2, and I want to talk about the foundation, the foundation. As I said, if Satan can crumble the foundations, he can bring down the nation. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a verse of Scripture from Psalms chapter 11, verse 3, and I'm just going to kind of springboard off of this for my message today. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? You may ask, well, why is the foundation so important? The, the, the answer is very simple. Without a proper foundation, as I said, the building will collapse. Several years ago, I read about a couple of guys. Uh, they had, uh, their father had passed away. They were farmers. They were country folks. And, and uh, the, fa the family farm had been left to these two brothers. And uh, they, they didn't particularly like farming because farming's hard work. And uh, so there was a little piece of, of their farm that fronted a main highway, a busy highway. And so they just got to talking. They said, you know, um, if we were to build a motel up there on that part of the property that fronts the road, um, it, it, might, it might do all right. And we wouldn't have to work so hard at farming. And so they went up there and built them a motel, and it, it exceeded their expectations. I mean, it just took off. And most of the time, the no, no vacancy sign was out. The place was full. And so they got to talking. They said, you know, we're making good money off of this. And if we could make this money off of, uh, off of the motel, what if, what if we doubled it? in size. But they didn't have enough land to spread out, so they had to go up. They said, let's just build a second story. If one story do good, two stories will do better. So they built a second story onto their motel. And it did great for a little while, and then it started crumbling. Because they had a foundation for a single story building. And now they got a double story, two stories, and it wasn't made to and it couldn't handle it. And so the walls began to crack and the thing began to come down. You got to get the foundation right. Can somebody say amen? amen? Without the proper foundation, a marriage and a family cannot succeed. In fact, I want to give you a quote from Jimmy Evans. Any of you familiar with Jimmy Evans' ministry, Marriage Today? Great, great ministry. If you ever get any uh, opportunity at any of his materials, take advantage of them. They're really good. He made this statement. It really caught my attention. Marriage was created by God and can only exceed, he gives you two things, when it honors his plan and includes his presence. I want you to get that in your spirit. When it honors his plan and when it includes his presence. 
Say that with me. When it honors his plan and includes his presence. So let's go back to the beginning. If we want to talk about foundations, let's go all the way back to Genesis, the book of Genesis, the first book of your Bible, because it was God's idea for family in the first place. And I want you to take a look at the first family. If I were to ask you, um, who did the first family, who, who, who was the very first family, most of you would say Adam and Eve. And that would be correct, but incomplete. Because the first family did not just exist with Adam and Eve. God was in the midst of the first family. God created it. God ordained it. And God came down every afternoon and talked with the first family. And because of God's presence, they followed God's plan and they included his presence, and they had a wonderful family. In fact, God placed them in a garden of Eden, a place of pleasure, a place of plenty, a place of, of joy, a, a place where the, the family could flourish, and they did wonderful. They were happy and healthy and secure until they allowed an interference in their relationship. And that's where Satan came in. And he began to challenge the things that God was saying to them. And they fell for his lies. And that's exactly what's wrong with most families today. They have allowed Satan to challenge what God says and convince them that you don't have to live by God's plans, but that you've got your own ideas and that your own ideas will work without his plan. And consequently, you have problems. Don't you think since it was God's idea to have a family and since God ordained it, instituted it and created it, that perhaps God has a good idea of how it can best operate. And I want to tell you something this morning. If you follow God's plan, you can have a good family. And that should be our foundation for our family. Now, I, I want to... Um, I want to present to you a broken family, and uh, because there are so many broken families today, I want to present to you one from the Word of God. You're familiar with this story, I'm sure. I'm going to read from the Scripture from John chapter 4. I'm going to read 28 verses, in fact, that tell the story of a woman whose life was broken because she did not have her home on a solid foundation. So let's read about it from John chapter 4. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was winning and baptizing more disciples than John. Actually, Jesus himself did not baptize anyone, only his disciples did. So when Jesus heard what was being said, he left Judea and went back to Galilee. On his way there, he had to go through Samaria. In Samaria, he came to a town named Sychar, which was not far from the field of ja that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by the trip, sat down by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw some water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The woman answered, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, so how can you ask me for a drink? You see, Jews would not use the same cups or bowls that Samaritans use. Jesus answered, 
if you only knew what God gives and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you life giving water. Sir, the woman said, you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get that life giving water? It was our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and his children and his flocks that drank from it. You don't claim to be greater than Jacob, do you? Jesus answered, those who drink this water will get thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring which will provide them with life-giving water and give them eternal life. Sir, the woman said, give me that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, nor will I have to come here and draw water. Go and call your husband, Jesus told her, and come back. I don't have a husband, she answered. Jesus replied, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. You've been married to five men. And the man you live with now is not really your husband. You've told the truth. I see you're a prophet, sir, the woman said. My Samaritan ancestors worship God on this mountain, but you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where you should worship God. Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the time will come when people will not worship the Father either from this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not really know whom you worship, but we Jews know whom we worship because it is from the Jews that salvation comes. But the time is coming, it's already here, when by the power of God's Spirit people will worship the Father as He really is, offering Him the true worship that He wants. God is a Spirit, and only by the power of His Spirit can people worship Him as He really is. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah will come, and when he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus answered, I am he, I who am talking with you. At that moment, Jesus' disciples returned, and they were greatly surprised to find him talking with a woman. But none of them asked or said to her, what do you want? Or to ask him, why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went back into town, and said to the people there, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. Could he be the Messiah? So they left the town and went out to Jesus. Wow, what a story. What a story. What we see in this story is a woman who is broken. First of all, the fact that she came at noon. Nobody came at noon. That's the hottest part of the day. People came in the afternoon to draw water typically. But she was an outcast, not just because she was a Samaritan, but she was even an outcast in Samaria. Her own people wanted nothing to do with her. She came alone. Nobody came alone unless nobody would come with them. And so here's this lonely, broken friendless woman who meets with Jesus at the well. Now let me stop here long enough to say when, when I tell you that I'm talking about the foundation of marriage and the foundation of a home and that you can't really have a, 
a good home or a happy, a full functioning, successful home unless you have a good foundation. There may be some of you sitting here saying, well, I might as well just check out because I've already blown it. I got off on the wrong foot and uh, my marriage, my family doesn't have a good foundation. So I'm, it's too late for me. I got good news for you this morning. Jesus knows how to fix the foundation. Amen. He knows how to fix things. He can, he can do something about that. I know something about that several years ago. In fact, we've been living in our house now almost 15 years, longest we ever lived in one house and, and since we've been married, 50 years, Faye and I have been married. And when, we, when we bought this house, when we were looking at it and the realtor was showing it to us and so forth, um, and I hired an inspector to come and inspect the house. And one of the things he brought to my attention was that there was evidence that there had been some cracks in the wall that had been repaired. I'm talking about the exterior wall, the brick. And, uh, and, and so I immediately inquired of the, um, of the realtor, and, and um, she came out immediately and said, oh, yes, we don't have anything to hide here. We, there was foundational problems with this house right after it was built. In fact, there were some cracks in the wall. What you saw, what your inspector saw, was very true. They, they were repaired. But she said, they hired a foundation company that specializes in fixing foundations. And they came in here and said they, they drove down way past where the average home uh, builds a foundation. And they said, in fact, uh, your house probably has now the most secure foundation of any house in this whole subdivision. And said, here's, here's positive proof. Here's not only the, the paperwork or the work that was done, but here is a guarantee from the company that will, they'll stand behind it. As long as you own this house, they'll stand behind it. And if anything ever happens, they'll pay for it because they know this foundation is secure. We've been living there nearly 15 years now, and there has been no problem whatsoever. With, with anything like that. It's got a good foundation. So what I'm here to tell you this morning, even if your foundation was not good when you started, the great foundation repairer is here today. He came to visit this little woman at the well of Jacob. He came to repair the foundations of her life and set her on her direction for a new home that could be successful and fulfill the needs of her life. Aren't you glad for Jesus today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, here's a problem this little woman had. She was drinking from the wrong well. This little woman had in her mind that a man could fulfill all of her needs. Now, let me say this to you this morning. There is no man, ladies, that can be everything to you that you need. And all the ladies said? Amen. <laughs> That's the best amen I've had in a long time. That's good, ladies. You testimonies, witnesses. Boy, that one's true. I got, I got a witness here this morning. And let me say the same thing to you men. You can chase skirts all you want to. There is no woman on the face of this earth that can meet all your needs, fulfill everything that you need in life. She don't exist. She just doesn't exist. 
you're drinking from the wrong well. This, this little woman married that, that first guy, she, she thought everything's going to be good. Look, nobody goes to the altar uh, and exchanges vows or goes to the justice of peace or wherever you go to to exchange your vows planning to fail. No, we all think, you know, and, and when you're young and dumb, <coughs> I'm sorry. You, you, but seriously, think back a minute. Think back before your brain was fully developed. You, you thought, oh, if I could just marry that girl, mm, life would be storybook happy ever after. Or, oh, if I could just get that guy. He's so handsome. He's so strong. He just, he just, yeah. That's what she thought. <laughs> and it didn't work. Reality set in. So <clears throat> instead of getting a good foundation under their relationship, she throws him aside and finds number two. And lo and behold, number two didn't work out either. So she kicks him out and goes for number three. After a while, she realizes that he's no good. Now, let me, let me stop here long enough to say, I'm not putting this woman down. I know that it takes two to tango. And I, I, the Bible doesn't tell me this, but I got a feeling that, um, that some of them guys she was marrying, probably all of them, were duds. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. I mean, she was picking lemons in the garden of love. Ain't no doubt about it. <laughs> I, I'm not taking, I'm not giving her all the load of responsibility here. She, she married some duds. That's just, that's, let's just be honest with it. And so dud number three didn't work. She kicks him out and goes for number four. Number four didn't work. She goes for number, and finally after five, she says, marriage just don't work. And so she quit. Yeah, I, I I think most of us would get the message after five, wouldn't you? I mean, <laughs> you say, this woman, you know what? She was smarter than the wisest man in all the world. After five, she got the message. Took Solomon 300. <laughs> and finally he throwed up his hand and said, vanity, vanity. Vanity, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. <laughs> Let me get on with the message here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, folks, if you think that another person in this world can meet all your needs and make you happy ever after, you're drinking from the wrong well. You're drinking the wrong will. That's what happened to this woman. She's drinking the wrong will. But um, Jesus came along. Thank God for Jesus. Now, they tell us that there are four basic needs that drive us, that motivate us in life. And I'm going to give them to you. They're going to put them on the screen. The first one is acceptance. 
The second one is identity. The third one is security. And the fourth one is purpose. Let me go through those again. Acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. Those are the four basic needs that psychologists tell us that drive us and motivate us in life. Now, here's my third and final point of this message today. Only Christ can meet all four of those. Only Christ can meet all four of those. There's not a man, ladies, that can meet all four of those for you. There's not a woman, men, that can meet all four of those. But Jesus can. Thus, let me simplify it and say, and say that Jesus is the foundation upon which you build a successful marriage, life, and home. If you want a successful home, build it on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us a parable that illustrates that. He said, there's a wise man built his house on the rock. Foolish man built his house on the sand. You get the right foundation and things can go better for you. Let's look at these four briefly. First of all, acceptance. Did you know when, when we talk about basic needs, acceptance is so important. In, in fact, you know what the number one fear of humanity is? Rejection. Number one fear that we all have is rejection. We all need acceptance. We need that to survive. It, it, it helps motivate us when we know that we're accepted. <laughs> oh, I want to tell you something you might find a little hard to believe. You think that people like you because of what they know. Let me tell you why people like us, me included, because of what they don't know. <laughs> I'm serious. People like you because of, let, 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 me, let me put it this way. If all your friends knew everything about you, every thought you've ever thought, every word you've ever said, everything you've ever done, I'll guarantee you it would shorten your friendship list. <laughs> There's only one who knows everything about you. David said he knows my downsittings, he knows my uprisings, he even knows my thoughts afar off. And he still loves you and accepts you, loves you unconditionally. Wow, only God can do that. Only God can do it. Look, look what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He said, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, in other words, what can separate me this morning from the love of God? Nothing. Amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He loves us unconditionally. Glory to God. And he accepts you. His arms are open wide. Says, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Just come to me. He, he accepts us. We're accepted in the beloved. Praise God. 
But you'll find that in Ephesians 1 and 6, we are accepted in the blood. In the family of God, we are accepted. His acceptance is not based on whether your hair is curly or straight, or whether you have freckles or pimples or blemishes or not, or whether your skin is dark or light, or whether you're rich or poor, or whether you're educated or unlearned. None of that, none of that changes how God feels towards you. God accepts you this morning. You are accepted in the beloved. Only He can do that. And knows everything about you and still loves you unconditionally. Praise God. Praise God. What about identity? Let me ask you this. Do you know who you are? Yeah. A lot of people have problems with identity. There's an identity crisis, in fact, uh, in, the, in this world today. A lot of people are confused about who they are. I, I, I struggled when I was a kid with my name. I didn't like my name. My full name is Isaac Richard Bowen. And I, I didn't like that first name. I didn't like the name Isaac. Now, I've, I've learned to accept it. In fact, it's more popular today. It's, it's um, an accepted name, and you see a lot of folks that have that name. And, and it's a good name. It's a good biblical name. It means laughter. I like to laugh. It uh, put a good name on me. But when I was a child, I did not like that name because that was not, that was not uh, a popular name back before the flood. And, um, <laughs> and so, I, I, didn't, I didn't care for that name. And, uh, and, and, and they call me Richard, and I'm from North Carolina, and they'd say it so hard. You know, North Carolinians, we, we have kind of a hard, we say police and fire truck, and that's how you know the three wise men were from North Carolina. The Bible said they came from afar. Um, <laughs> for those of you who like corny jokes, that. <laughs> But, but they talk hard, and, and my daddy talked so hard, he'd holler at me and say, Richard! And, and it just, it, I didn't like my name. And so, and, and again, back before the flood, we didn't have computers and stuff. And so, when I went to school, you know, you signed in on the first day. I would, I would just pick a name. I did that for two reasons. One, because I didn't like my name. And two, because when the teacher called to report to my parents my misbehavior at school, and they would say, is this James' parents? And, and they would say, we don't have a child named James. <laughs> I change names every year. On my high school diploma, my name's wrong. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> With my hand up. I got the wrong name on my diploma. Got the last name. They did get that. But the other, the other wrong name. <laughs> and, and then when I, when I went to Lee after I, after I left home and went away to college, everybody started calling me Rich. And I didn't like that because I was named after my grandfather, and everybody referred to him where he lived as Old Man Rich Bowen. 
and I'm beginning to dislike it again <laughs> as I get older. But I finally adjusted to it, and you know, you you live with what you you live with what you live with. But uh, but a lot of us have. An, an identity crisis. A lot of people don't know really who they are. And they're trying to be somebody else and trying to live up to somebody else's expectations and somebody else's um, whatever, you know. I, there's a verse of Scripture that I just dearly love in the book of Revelations. It's in chapter 2, verse 17, the latter sentence of that verse. It's, here's what it says. Listen to this. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no man knows except him who receives it. Now, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, so just kind of hang on to that. But I want to back up and tell you that if you've got an identity crisis this morning, it's because you have not come yet to understand who God made you and who God made you to be. And, and I, I'm telling you this morning, God made you. I'm not talking about you collectively. I'm talking about you individually. Every one of you, God made. In fact, the psalmist said in chapter 139, <clears throat> For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Wow. Do you, do you hear what the psalmist is saying? The psalmist said, at the moment of conception... In my mother's womb, when I was conceived at that moment, God took note of me. And God started thinking about me and what he wanted me to be and making plans for my life. And he was all into my DNA and, and everything about me. He watched everything as I was being created. In fact, if you go on down to verse 16, I believe it is, uh, in, in, the, in, that, uh, in, in, in that Psalm, I'm, uh, yeah, it is verse 16. <clears throat> he says that, that he even put a book in his library with your name on it, a book of remembrance where God has got a record record of everything from the moment of your conception God started recording things about you're special to God you're special to God he's got he's got it written in his book of remembrance everything about you in fact he thought so many thoughts about you the psalmist said that if you tried to even count the good thoughts that God had about you before you were even born you you, you can't count it be like trying to count the sand on the seashore you you'd, you'd realize real fast that you can't count far enough to to total up the good thoughts that God had about you you. He had your destiny in mind. He knew every play. He knew everything about you from the beginning all the way to the end. He, he knows all of that. And he's got it recorded. You are special to God. Now, all of us miss it from time to time. And some miss it further than others. Some get way off out yonder, out of the will of God and away from the purpose of God. But again, I've got good news for you this morning. The blood of Jesus can get you right back on track. 
Amen. Amen. I've, I've missed it a few times in my life. But thank God there's always a way back. And he can get you on track. Now let me get back to that thing in Revelation. God knows who I am. Very much aware. God knows who you are. And in fact, John the Revelator said, something wonderful is going to happen to us one of these days. When we go to be with Jesus, when we walk through the gates of pearl and down the streets of gold, and when we have our one-on-one -on -one meeting with Jesus Christ, he's going to hand us a white, he's going to put a white stone in our hand. And when he takes his hand away and we look down at that white stone, it's got our name on it. And we're going to recognize it. We're going to say, wow, that's me. That's me. That's me. Glory to God. Look here. Here I am. We, we, we're going to be, we're gonna be a, going all over glory. I'm, I'm probably going to run up to you and say, don't call me rich anymore. Right here. Here's, here's my name. I am identified as a member of the family of God. God is my heavenly father, and Jesus is my elder brother, and you're my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we've got a name. Oh, our identity is in him. Let me tell you something this morning, folks. You won't find your identity satisfying uh, to all the needs of your life in this world. But if you'll get in Christ Jesus, glory to God, get him in you and you in him and all of it wrapped up in the Father, filled with the Holy Spirit, glory to God, you'll know who you are. You'll discover who you are. You can discover your purpose. You can discover why you're here. And, we, and, and, we, and we'll hit that purpose in just a minute. But, but, but we, we, need, we need that identity thing taken care of. Amen? Glory to God. So let's, let's go with it, the, uh, the identity. And thirdly is security. And uh, I'm going to move very quickly here. There's danger all around us today everywhere you go. You, you, can't, you can't go anywhere that there's not a, a, a possibility of destruction. You know, I've had people tell me I'd never live in Florida because of hurricanes. Well, if you don't want hurricanes, move somewhere else and have tornadoes. I mean, you know, there's danger everywhere. Isn't that true? I mean, there, there's, there's nowhere that you can go where you can say I'm absolutely safe in this world except if you're in the Lord. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You talking about security. That's a win-win situation. Glory to God. If I live through this day, wonderful. If I don't, wonderful. Glory to God. You can't lose. If you're, you're secure in the Lord. You're secure in Him. You, your security needs to be found in Him. And then finally, purpose, purpose. Why are we here? What are we here for? If, if you think the only reason you're here is to make money, I can tell you you'll never be fully satisfied with money. Somebody asked John D. Rockefeller, how much money does it take to make you happy? He said, a little more. And, and if you'll notice that people that's got billions, they're still trying to get some more. Because... That's not the purpose for which we're here. We're here for a much greater purpose than that. And again, you can only find that in Jesus Christ. You can only find it in Jesus Christ. Your purpose, 
People are, are constantly trying to, to find somebody else to fulfill the, their, their needs, these four needs that I mentioned a while ago. Psychologists call it the law of transference. In other words, if, if, you, can't, if you can't feel fully satisfied and, and, and if, if there's still needs and hungers in your life that you can't seem to feel, fulfill, you will transfer that on to somebody else. And there's some of you sitting in this room today, you, you've been expecting, you've got high expectations of other people to meet some of these needs for you. Your acceptance need or, or, or your identity need or your security need or your purpose need. And, and, and when you transfer that on other people, you'll always be disappointed because they can't fulfill those needs. They can't do it. If you're looking for your father, you're looking for your mother, you're looking for a sibling, a brother, a sister, a, a father, a mother, a son, a daughter, a daughter, people can't do that for you. You're setting that relationship up for failure when you transfer that to somebody else. They, they can't do it. They can't do it. They'll always fall short. Listen, on my best day, if I try real hard, I can be a pretty good rich but I'm still a lousy Jesus. If, if you're looking to me to be Jesus, I, I, I'll always fall short. But he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never disappoint you or let you down. You've you got to find that in Jesus. Amen. And people today are becoming cynical because they can't, they try this transference thing and it's not working for them. And so then they, they get disgusted and cynical about things. Let, let's look at marriage, for example. Did you know that in, in 1930, 83% of all Americans were married adults, married adults. In 1930, 83% of Americans were married. You know what that percentage is today? Less than half, 49.7%. You know what that tells me? That tells me that we have reached a point in America just exactly where the woman at the well was after husband number five to where we finally gotten cynical and just said, marriage don't work. We'll just shack up or we'll just, you know. And, and, and so here we go. She, she had... Man number six, because she realized she needed somebody to help her out and so keep a man around. But marriage is a failure. And, and Americans are believing the same thing. Better than more than half of adult Americans do. The enemy is destroying the foundation of the home because we've gotten away from this precious book right here, my friend. We need to get back to this. We need to get back to this. Because when you build your life on Jesus Christ, I love that old hymn that says, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But you can, you can trust your life to Jesus. You can trust your home to Jesus. If you, if you are here this morning with a brokenness in your life, a brokenness in your marriage, a brokenness in your family, a brokenness in other relationships. 
because of whatever, but something has called it, caused it to crack and crumble and break apart. Look to Jesus. I'm going to give you two steps. Stand with me, please, and, and I'll ask the prayer team to come. I want to give you a, an opportunity to pray today. I'm going to give you two statements. One is a healthy statement, and one is an unhealthy statement. You ready for this? One is a healthy statement. Listen to this carefully. I love you, and my life is wonderful with you, but it's possible without you. That's a healthy statement. I love you. And my life is wonderful with you, but it's possible without you. Here's an unhealthy statement. I can't live without you. I, I can't go on without you. That's an unhealthy statement. What that tells me is, is you have transferred your need to somebody else. And you're, you're, you're totally expecting them to meet that need. And if they can't meet it, you're, it's over for you. You can't make it. You can't go on. You can't live. But listen, folks, life happens. I love my mother and dad dearly, but both of them have gone to be with the Lord. I always wanted siblings. My brother got killed. I had to live without a brother, without a sibling. But you can go on. If you have Jesus, if you have Jesus, if you have Jesus. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying in any way to minimize what you are going through or have gone through. I know there are people in this congregation that have lost children. They tell me that that is the most difficult loss in life to get over. Because it's not supposed to be that way. But some of you have lost children. It's hard to go on. But with Jesus, you can. Because again, he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. He'll go with you all the way to the end of the world. And the psalmist said, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you're with me. Your rod and staff will comfort me. You'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You'll anoint my head with oil. You'll make my cup to run over. And Mr. Goodness and Miss Mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and then I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're going to have a great reunion day one of these days. Praise God. You're going to meet that loved one that's gone. Great days ahead of us if you're built on the foundation of the Lord. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to ask you this morning, when a crisis comes, to whom do you go first? Are you depending on somebody else? Or are you depending on Jesus? If you're standing here today, man, woman, boy, girl, under the sound of my voice right now, if you're not sure 
that if you were died today that you'd go to heaven. I want you to I want you to come and pray today and ask Jesus to come into your heart. We have people here to be glad to pray with you or for you, or you may want to just find a place at the altar. I also want to make an appeal to those of you today who are standing here and you 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 know that there's some foundation issues that you need to you need Jesus to come and help fix today in your family some foundational issues you you need his help to fix today he's here to fix it that's why he came to the little woman at the well he came he came to fix her problem and boy he did he said woman if you just knew who was talking to you I'd give you some water where you wouldn't thirst again. You've been drinking from the wrong well. But if you'll drink from this well, you'll drink eternal life. And uh, she went running into town, said, come see a man who told me all that I ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And the whole city of Samaria came out and they had a revival. This woman found the answer to her problems in Jesus. He can fix your foundation today, whatever it is. Maybe it's in your children's life. You'd like to come today and pray for your children. But the altar's open right now. Whatever you have need of, come this way quickly from the back to the front. Preacher, I'd like to talk to the Lord about my family today before I go. Family matters. Let's get the foundation right. Come on. The altar's open. God bless you as you respond.